0: Welcome back to Nintendo Nostalgia. My name is Chris Warren, and I'm really thrilled to be your host today. Also joining me for this episode, we have my good friend, Warren. (laughs) Hey, Chris. How are you? Good. Good. Thanks for joining us. This is awesome. I'm so glad that you were able to join me for this episode in particular. You and I have been talking, uh, you know, back and forth about how much we love this game and this series. And we wanted to make sure that we did this game justice with this type of an episode. So uh, you are the perfect person to be on and and thanks for joining. Um, So Warren, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself?
1: Okay. Uh yeah, uh my name's Warren Akers again and Chris and I share our my first name and his last name. Mm-hmm. Um but uh yeah, I uh I what do I tell? What do I tell? I'm a I'm a video game fan for a long time and uh I, honestly I'm more than happy to be talking about this game cuz I
0: don't get that chance very often. same yeah it's it's weird because um it's not really a franchise that is super known and i guess popular within the nintendo community it's kind of like this series that a lot of people know about especially because of smash brothers and stuff but there's not too many opportunities for people to play these games and um It's a shame because the game that we'll be speaking about today, and that's Metal Gear Solid The Twin Snakes, is a fantastic game, at least in my opinion. Um, So we hope that we kind of shed some light on this title. Um, Yeah, Yeah. so uh, also Warren is like our Metal Gear Solid expert. Uh, You're going (laughs) to find out very shortly. He knows this series inside and out, and so that's exactly why I'm I'm so glad he'll be uh, joining us tonight. So in case we have any new listeners, uh, we usually start out our episode with what we're radical rexing about or what we're excited about in life, uh, but if, if you wanted to skip ahead to the topic at hand, that's perfectly okay. We're going to leave some timestamps for you in the description. So uh, without further ado, why don't we get into what we are radical rexing about. <laughs> All right, Warren, so since you are our guests, or my guest, since it's just me, <laughs> uh, why don't you tell us what you've been excited about in your life?
1: Well, if you don't mind, personally, I'm going to call this Metal Gear Rexing.
0: Oh, yes, that was my bad. We uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we're Metal Gear Rexing today. Um, so, okay,
1: honestly... Right now, uh I'm most excited, and this isn't relevant to our show one bit, but I'm most excited about Metroid Dread. Yes, same. Totally. Um I this uh just last night I started replaying um Metroid Zero mission.
0: Nice.
1: And uh I, I guess I'm gonna work my way through the the series to get back, you know, caught up. But um I'm a I'm a fan of that series as well, and it's just it's it's awesome to see it getting recognition um now you know people are commenting and looking forward to this game that have never played the the metroid series yep. at all so that's that's what i'm most excited about and uh, let me grab this um i've got these i know no one can see this because we don't have a video but i've got these oh nintendo hanafuda cards very cool um so back in the day nintendo um when they first started, they were a playing card company, and they put out this like these were used for illegal gambling <laughs> oh, wow. uh, back in the day. but um, they still issue these, and they've got kirby and and uh Wario themed cards.
0: oh, I didn't even uh, know that was a thing that's awesome, wow, yeah,
1: so it's I've been learning to play that, but it's all in Japanese, and it's kind of confusing, so right.
0: Yeah, I saw some Mario ones, and they did have like traditional ones as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know they had like Kirby themed and other ones. That's awesome. Yeah, um, I think they're even available on Amazon surprisingly.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. You is can that where you got them? These up online. Actually, these are my friends. They're not mine personally. I've just been getting into them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's fun just looking, even if you don't know what you're doing, just looking through the cards. They're all unique. Yeah. Um, and it's it. It's not like a you know standard deck of cards
0: it's its own thing yeah totally yeah you, it's not something you can really just jump into you kind of have to learn the rules from what i understand i haven't played it myself but it's uh, pretty exciting um cool anything else that you've been playing or doing lately that you've been excited about
1: um this honestly this game that we're going to talk about has consumed most of my time yeah <laughs> for the last totally. little bit
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, I know it's it, whenever we have this segment I have to talk about other things that I've been doing but most of the time it's like oh I've just been playing the game that we'll be talking <laughs> about but that's especially the case with this game. Um, yeah, we actually were supposed to do this episode about two weeks ago, but we both agreed, uh, you were very accommodating, so thank you again for that, um, that we wanted to spend a little bit more time with this game because it's it's not a game that you can really just jump into, kind of like the Honda Fuda cards. This is something that you have to really commit to and um, kind of explore on your own, at your own pace, to really understand what makes the game special. But we'll get into that in just a little bit. Um, so as for me, uh, my class is over. I know I've been complaining about that class for a while, so I'm really glad that's over. And of course, with my luck, I've signed up for another class, but it's (laughs) one that I'll be doing like at my own pace. So I can do it at like 3am if I wanted to. So, um, that's a nice little thing that I can do to stay productive during the summer. Um, I've been getting ready to move out. Uh, I'll be doing that within the next few months so kind of nervous but excited for that and um <clears throat> games wise um i've had a lot of games delivered lately i've I've made like these pre-orders over several weeks and months and it just so happens that a lot of them have been coming in lately so uh one that i got today was unruly heroes and um i've had a, a bunch of other weird indie ones um i'll probably bring those up in the, the facebook chat Uh, uh, group, so you can look forward to that. But unexpectedly, I started playing my Game Boy Advance lately. Um, Oh. Yeah, I... I had it was totally unplanned but um it was like a really beautiful day the other day so I was like all right let me put the tv in the backyard and play something outside and um I just wasn't in the oh I was I was trying to play this game actually I was gonna start playing the Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes but like since it was so bright out I couldn't see the game um yeah so I was like let me choose it yeah so uh, because I wanted to you know spend some time with this game but i just i I couldn't do that with uh you know how bright it was obviously so i was like let me choose like a bright game that i'll be able to see on the tv and uh i kind of attached my game boy advanced player game boy player to my Game oh yeah sure yeah and uh, so I was playing Advance Wars and uh, Ninja 50, or um, the copy that I have is the European one because it was much cheaper. Uh, and they call it Ninja Cop there, which is a much more fun <laughs> title. <type of. laughs> have you ever heard of that game?
1: Yeah, I've never played it, um, but yeah, I, I've definitely heard of it. I didn't realize they call it Ninja Cop.
0: Yeah. Same, I know. I was, I was looking on eBay because I'm like, yo, this game is getting really up there in price. Let me jump on this now while I can. And uh, yeah, the European version is called Ninja Cop, and I'm like, that's so much better than Ninja Five O. Um, it's just such a stupid name, but what a great, awesome Game Boy Advance game! Oh, I uh, it's I, I don't have enough good things to say about it. I'll probably make an episode on it in the future, Do but we? um, yeah, oh, it's so good, and actually made by Konami who also made. Uh, oh, the game that we'll be talking about today. Yeah. And uh, have you played Advance Wars? No, I saw the uh,
1: the announcement of the remake. Um, so it's it's like a is it a tactical strategy type yeah. game? Okay. Yeah. No, I, I I haven't played it, but it uh, the remake looked interesting. Yeah. How closely does did the uh, you know aesthetic, the visuals, the gameplay of that trailer of of the remake? match the original um
0: it's it's weird because um it's kind of true to the original if they were to make it in 3d but also i feel like they kind of added this toy aesthetic to it as well um which makes sense because like just having it look you know realistic and cartoony would look a little bizarre so i like this kind of toyish uh look to give it a little more personality, um, that they're doing with it. But after playing it on the game Boy Advance and on my TV, I have to say, I kind of prefer the originals look. Um, there's just something about those sprites that are so timeless and really hold up today. So, gotcha. um, I think it's going to be, you know, when the game comes out like apples and oranges, some people might prefer the new look. Some people might prefer the old look, but there's nothing wrong with either one so Mm -hmm. um but yeah i I highly recommend advanced wars to anyone who hasn't played it um if you want to wait for the reboot i'm sure that's going to be perfectly uh serviceable and and true to the original i hope at least um but if you're impatient it's also available on the wii u virtual console and it's one of the best strategy games ever made and it's very easy to understand but there's so much depth to it it's it's very rewarding and challenging and stimulating it's just it's it's a blast really and i don't even like strategy games so uh yeah Uh, that's pretty much it for me um cool so i guess we'll jump into um our social media comments so we have two uh facebook comments i believe and also uh an email from one of our listeners so um we have two comments. One of them is just saying that, uh, and this is from Jeffrey C. Uh, Jeffrey said that he sent an email, so I'll just be reading that in a little bit. But uh, Jeremiah uh, also commented, he said that uh, it was a long time ago, but man, it was an upgrade. And again, this is on the topic of Metal Gear Solid, the Twin Snakes, which is a remake of the uh, original Uh, PlayStation game Metal Gear Solid so um, yeah he said that this was a big upgrade to that original game I wished it was on Switch with pro controller support I Mm. think having to use a GameCube controller on it was my main gripe that's fair what do you think about that uh, Warren
1: well we'll get into this later but it could definitely use some updated controls and and uh, I would love to see it brought you know to the Switch or to some You know, any kind of modern day setting with updated controls and and better inputs.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. I would say that's one of my main gripes with the game, but it's really not a big deal. It's just like, you know, a little cumbersome. It takes some
1: getting used to at first.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like when I started the game, I was kind of kind of frustrated because I'm like, oh, is the whole game going to be like this? But you really start to like learn the controls and start to overcome it and kind of find ways to, uh, you know, trigger things when you want them to be triggered, etc. But yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be getting into that. Um, okay. And uh, the email that Jeffrey sent us reads as follows. So, wow, Metal Gear Solid, the Twin Snakes, So I was and am a huge fan of the Metal Gear Solid franchise. I even love Metal Gear for the NES. Metal Gear Solid 2 is still my favorite video game. However, Twin Snakes is particularly special, and it's how I got my brother into the series. We then played two together, and these great experiences definitely made him a fan. I didn't necessarily expect anything more than the original with better graphics, but it's it feels so much better to play than Metal Gear Solid. This is still my go-to as far as what I want in a ground-up remake. However, the best part was seeing his, his reactions to the game and experience, which was so much fun to see. Now, I've done the same this year with Mario 3D All-Stars, seeing how much my girlfriend enjoys those games and seeing her playing them for the first time. Nothing beats that, even experiencing these games for the first time myself. So I rambled way longer than I planned, and I hope that this made sense. (laughs) Whether any of this winds up being read, it is. Uh, I'll obviously be looking forward to the episode and hearing your memories on this wonderful and personally beloved game. Take care. Well, thanks very much for that, Jeffrey. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that, Warren?
1: Listen, Jeffrey, I agree with you. One of my favorite things to do just in general is is to see someone's reaction to something that i enjoy and honestly even if they don't end up liking it it's just watching someone discover something for the first time that i love it's fascinating and uh so so good on you for you know for doing that with your brother and your girlfriend uh, with the mario series also so i, I think that's amazing that's incredible
0: yeah. absolutely yeah, i totally agree it's um it really highlights this one aspect of gaming that's uh you know the, the social part where it's not just that you're playing something together like co-op or uh, competitive or something like that but really experiencing the same game together and just really witnessing each other's reactions and um, experiences as things unfold there's just something really special about that and we I don't want to say we lose that through like online play these days, but there is something about it that is there. Were, there's some kind of disconnect in that way, but um, yeah, it's it is something that's truly special about video games, like just really spending time with someone playing something.
1: And and to add to that, games particularly like this, like the Twin Snakes where there's so much story and narrative. It really is. It's like a journey that you go on Yes, and to find someone else and to be able to relate to them and say, you know, how did you take in this journey to be able to have those? It's almost like a, like a shared experience. Like you both went on some sort of adventure or journey together to be able to break that down. It's, it's wonderful.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, yep. I could not have said it any better myself. Yeah. it's it's like this shared memory that you have with someone else, and you you went on that journey together, and uh, it's it's just this unique bond that you have with someone else. So it's 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 very special, and I think that. Um, it's not something that's so widely recognized by the general public. I don't think. I think they just mm-hmm. sometimes see video games as being this like mindless thing. But really, it's, it's examples like this that are that that really separate it from other mediums. Not really separate it, but add to other mediums too, like TV and movies. You know, video games. When we share them with other people, they they really bring a a special memory um along so cool thank you very much for sharing that email those yeah thank you yeah all right well that is uh all of our social media comments and emails so thank you guys again for submitting those so why don't we get into our topic today which is again metal gear solid the twin snakes for the nintendo gamecube this Um, but before we do get started I just want to give two quick warnings so this is a game that is rated M for mature so I don't want younger listeners to be listening to this so um, it is possible that we don't really discuss anything too adult themes but just wanted to give that disclaimer just in case and also we We'll probably be talking about some spoilers to the story. Uh, We'll try to give a heads up about that, and you can find where to skip ahead to in the episode's description if uh, you're new to this game or haven't experienced it yet. Um, We'll try to be respectful of that and give you a heads up in case we talk about anything too spoilery. So two quick heads up about that. So why don't we talk about the background of this game and some little details about it when it was released? So, uh, Warren, can you get us started with that?
1: Sure, absolutely. So uh, this game initially released, I guess, only released (laughs) in two thousand and four for the Nintendo GameCube, as Chris said, Um, and they wanted to, you know, bring some modern sensibilities at the time because Metal Gear Solid. Two uh sons of liberty i think that came out just before and and so they ended up bringing over some of those same gameplay elements to this remake and and you know bringing that up to date because really if you compare the two uh, compare this to the original metal gear solid it's it looks vastly different the gameplay is similar but they did again bring over some similar similar elements um Mm -hmm. So I didn't realize this, though. I looked it up after watching playing this game uh, for the past week and a half. um, You know, it's when you it's it's hard when you've played both this and the original not to compare them. Right. But a lot of the cutscenes in this are drastically changed. And uh, so this is what I looked up. I found they brought in a Japanese film director to direct the cutscenes of this game, Uh, and it 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 does have that kind of flair of like a crouching tiger, hidden dragon, or even the matrix like bullet time, uh, a lot of like slow motion dodges, that kind of thing that weren't present in the original. Um, but so the story goes that, um, Shigeru Miyamoto, uh, approached Dennis Dyack who worked with Silicon Knights, um, and, and in in some cafeteria somewhere, I don't know where they were, but came up to him and said, hey, we want you to bring Metal Gear Solid to the Nintendo GameCube, uh, just kind of out of the blue. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, you know, if you, if you make your way all the way through the game, you'll see Shigeru Miyamoto's name just as a special mention at the end of the game. But, um, yeah, there were a lot of... Uh, There was a lot of attention given to maintain the integrity of that original game, bringing it forward to the GameCube, but also updating it. They re-recorded the dialogue to make it more closely match the original Japanese so that the story was more consistent, and and it gives it a through line tying it in. I think, personally, tying it a little bit better to the series overall.
0: Oh, wow. Interesting. I didn't know that. Um, Yeah, so... The uh, Metal Gear Solid: The Twin Snakes is a remake of an original PlayStation uh, original PlayStation game. Um, that original game came out in 1998, and as uh, Warren mentioned, this game came out in 2004. It's March 9th. Um, it's an action-adventure stealth game, and uh, Hideo Kojima, I don't believe, was the director of this game but he was still all over it i think he was like the producer and he had a a few other roles in this game and so his footprint is definitely uh seen in this game um and it was a collaboration between silicone knights uh also as warren mentioned and konami which owns the rights to uh metal gear solid and um in that franchise and all the other sequels etc um so uh, so, Warren, can you give our listeners like a little bit of some background about Hideo Kojima? Because he's a name that a lot of people have been mentioning over the past few years, but it's possible that they don't really understand what the hype is about with him.
1: Okay, so Hideo Kojima, honestly, the name today is almost a meme of the person. Yeah. <laughs> um but so he began with konami back in the 80s i guess um is if you go back and play his first few games they're you know they're nothing similar to what we see in metal gear solid and his most recent game which actually is getting an update um death stranding but um he's been with konami uh all along up until the final game he made for them metal gear solid 5 um, there was a lot of drama surrounding that, but he himself uh, has talked about his love of film, his love of movies and and cinema, and you can very very clearly see that, uh, you know, and and all, all all of that and what that means in Metal Gear Solid, uh, the Twin Snakes. It's very very evident. Yeah. Um, but yes, Kojima has has produced, directed, and written tons of games over the last. Goodness forty years, I guess,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and there's there's something very special about everything that he uh, produces or creates because he adds, in my opinion, a very unique Flair and level of detail to his games that many other games don't even come close to mm-hmm. and you'll definitely see why that may be or how that may be uh, especially in this particular game um, so. A lot of his games, unfortunately, haven't really made it to Nintendo consoles nearly as much as something, say, uh, like, say, PlayStation. Um, but anytime that it does, it's an event because he's just such a visionary and um, a pioneer within this field. So um, I have a lot of respect for the man. Um, before we move on, I just wanted to mention a, a couple of quick little tidbits about the game. So this is a game that was exclusive to the gamecube which was a really big deal um mm-hmm. at least in my opinion at the time because this was a time when it was pretty clear that the gamecube wasn't going to be this massive hit so for us to have a game like this was a very big deal um and it came on two discs and not too many games at that time especially uh came on two discs so uh and it's not like one of them was for like bonus features or anything like that. The whole game spans across two discs and um, you know, it's not the longest game, but like, there's a lot of detail um, in these, in this game. So it, it, it does make sense. Um, The cinematics, especially my gosh. Um, But the differences between this game and the original Warren definitely touched on this, but uh, they added a first person mode, which was um, originally on the, uh, whatever it was, uh, Metal Gear Solid Two, um, which I unfortunately haven't played, and um, like Warren said, one of the main attractions was uh, the redone cutscenes. Um, some people like them, some people don't. Um, for me, at least, the I thought they were very good because I never played the original, so I don't really have anything to compare it to. So, you know, as a fourteen-year-old, I was just like, yeah, this is fun. This is actiony. Why not? Um, but I. But I see- found. Yeah. What Mm I found
1: is that people that start with this one, before playing the original, like this one more, and people that start with the original like that one more. It's really just, you know, as it it is where your nostalgia or where your you know your your history lies. But I can definitely say, going back to the original, it feels very stiff by comparison.
0: Yeah. Oh, interesting. Uh, Okay, that's interesting. Um, uh, Yeah, the graphics are a little bit better. And something that I thought was really interesting is that, and maybe you you read up on this, Warren, but the apparently the voices were redone, not just to make them like better, and also I didn't know what you um, what you said before about them having it like kind of tie into things a little bit better. But apparently the original audio on the PlayStation when they recorded those, it picked up a lot of background noise, oh, and. Yeah. When that like tra- when they tried transferring that to the GameCube, I guess like the sound chip in the GameCube was like, you know, y- the the background noise became pretty uh, clear. So they're like, okay, let's just start this over. And and I guess they had like a new vision, like you said. So um, so I just thought that was like an interesting little tidbit. Um, something that I would like to stress though, is that this game in particular, more than Almost any other GameCube game that I'm aware of is starting to experience something that is called disc rot. And disc rot is something that is heartbreaking to me, especially as a collector. But for some reason, a lot of people are reporting that disc rot, where the disc literally starts to rot over time, um is especially happening with this title um they think it's some type of like manufacturing defect or something like that so uh, my recommendation before i forget as this uh, episode continues is that you if this is a game that interests you get it now and play it now while you still can because this is not a game that is available anywhere else it's a very special game in my opinion and um yeah this might be the only way that we'll be able to experience this game. So just wanted to throw that out there.
1: That's really sad and unfortunate. I didn't realize that. And that, you know, brings up a greater issue for the entire gaming industry of, of video game preservation. Yep. And you know, it's unfortunate that this game is bound to the GameCube, you know, um, that, and that is the only place you can play it. I I would love to see this among many, many other games that are, that are stuck on, consoles or you know that have become so rare now that you know if you're going to buy them on on ebay or in the used market or somewhere amazon then you know prices are just through the roof
0: yeah that's a very good point i have no idea how much this particular game goes for at the moment Um, hopefully it's something that's you know still pretty affordable but it's it really sucks to shed some light on the reality that, you know, games are not really forever, especially those on discs. Um, so it, it, it sucks, but you know what? Um, I'm glad that I've played this game. I have beat it. And, um, the memories that I have with this game are going to transcend time even long after these discs rot, but just wanted to bring that up. It's something that I've noticed a lot more lately. Um, and there's really nothing you can do about disc rot. You just kind of have to Play your games while you still have them, and as soon as you can, and uh, just really cherish the time that you have with them. So, um, sorry for that, if it was a downer, but I just think it's something that's pretty important. So, um, I first wanted to talk about, you know, now that we've given some background details, um, about our nostalgia for this game. So, don't why don't you start us off? What, what comes to mind when you think of this game?
1: Okay, so, <laughs> for this, I've actually got to go back to 1998. Um, so I I never played the original Metal Gear Solid back in the day, uh, and I didn't, you know, I didn't. This was before the GameCube came out. This would have been around, you know, the the time of the N sixty four. Um, I had a friend who had a PlayStation, and I personally, you know, we with my family, we had uh, what was it called? Um, there were like reading rewards or something at Pizza Hut. I don't know what it was called exactly, oh, but you yeah. can read the book and get get like a star <laughs> or, you know. I, yeah. Um, so th- through that, somehow I managed to get a PlayStation 1 demo disc from Pizza Hut. Wow. And it had five games on it. I looked this up to, so I could remember it. Um, let's see. It had uh, Tomb Raider 3, Gran Turismo, Crash Bandicoot 3 Warped, Medieval, and Metal Gear Solid, not bad, in 1998, and so I I had this in my possession, but no way to play it. <laughs> so I would go over to a friend's house who had a PS1 and try out these games. And uh, I replayed the uh, the Metal Gear Solid demo, which is just it's like the opening of the game where you you start out, uh, you know, swimming through the water
0: at okay. the beginning
1: and then the first like like hangar area that's outside where the Hind D helicopter is and mm-hmm. it but it just it takes you basically up through the point that you g- crawl into the building and then it cuts off mm-hmm. so i played that same you know little tiny mission over and over and over not knowing exactly what metal gear was or what that meant or just knowing like this is cool i get to sneak around <laughs> yeah absolutely. but then in uh, in 2015, uh, I um, I got, it was when Metal Gear Solid V, The Phantom Pain, came out. Um, I got, I just remembered, I, I saw that in the news and the media and, and trailers for it. Didn't know exactly what it was, but I remembered that demo disc. And uh, so I ended up getting a collection of all the Metal Gear games. And played through all of them in, in chronological order, not release order, but like timeline. And then right after that, that's when I played the Twin Snakes.
0: Okay, wow. So
1: I played through that entire series and then was like, okay, and I've heard that this this is good too, whatever it is. And so I looked up the Twin Snakes, got it and played it. So it's, you know, only been like five or six years since I first played the Twin Snakes.
0: Oh, wow. That's late in the game but cool glad you finally got around to it cool. <laughs> i'm just so we've spoken about this before but i'm so jealous of uh warren's uh, metal gear solid collection which i think was on the playstation 3 it's like what an amazing package of games that would be amazing on the switch like it would just be perfect i think metal gear solid would blow up you know in in popularity if it were to come to the switch so absolutely yeah gosh i hope i really hope that happens um cool. Yeah, it's um so for me Metal Gear Solid was a game that was very new to me at the time. It wasn't really a genre that I really dabbled with. I was big on like 3D platformers and, you know, Mario Party, Mario Kart stuff like that. So, this was my first mature game. Um I was not 17 yet at the time, so I've no idea how I got this game. <laughs> my parents definitely didn't buy it for me, so I don't know how that happened um but it was a really big deal when i was reading nintendo power you know they made a big deal that like this classic playstation game made by this interesting guy hideo kojima is being you know remade for the gamecube and it's going to be exclusive and with the it's uh with the help of uh, silicone knights which at the time they made a big deal out of silicone knights who was a pretty trendy developer at the time but then they kind of like lost their luster over time um but yeah at the time stealth was very trendy uh splinter cell was very popular and similar games like that like uh, hitman so uh stealth was um you know like i said pretty trendy so it was um kind of cool to jump in on that uh, it was just it was so epic and intense and grand in scale. And I was not used to that as a GameCube owner. So it's very cool to experience something like that. It just kind of felt like a interactive action movie, kind of like a Mission Impossible. And um, it's just it's so cinematic because, you know, you have credits playing while you're playing the game. And I just think that's so cool and not something you really see too often. Um, I did beat the game. Uh, for this particular playthrough, I only got, like, I don't know, four hours in or so. So, But I did beat it and loved it. The ending is incredible. Um, and I just thought it was such a oh, – I don't want to say this word. Um, I'll say cool game instead of – i don't know what i was gonna say but it's 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 just a fun ride and it's very 90s and very 2000s you know it's very of its time and i love that it's just there's some charm to it in that way um but yeah i I really cherish my time with this game um and Mm -hmm. one last note like the 2000s for me was kind of like a dark time this was you know Mm -hmm. post 9-11 um you know everyone was kind of down because of that it took a few years for us to kind of get over it and for me in a way the themes that were in this game were kind of therapeutic because of that so playing this game kind of made me i don't know feel connected to what was going on in the world and just i don't know there's just something really cathartic about that so yeah
1: there is there is an aspect of this game that is very feel good like, yeah, it's it's got a lot of dark twists and turns, but there's there's an aspect of this game that is very heartfelt. And honestly, I know you've not played this, but Metal Gear Solid 2, that came out, I think, in 2002, and there are a lot of themes in that game. That I mean, that game was being developed when uh, 9-11 happened. Mm. And, and this wasn't intentional, but there are a lot of things in that game that, mirror some things you know about 9 11 and uh you know keeping that in mind it was kind of hard to play that game at the time and so then for the for the next game in the series to be this remake of of the classic ps1 game felt like going back home in a sense you know this this like warmth of like familiarity right yeah absolutely
0: um yeah, the way that they approach the the themes in this game, I, I think that's a, a kind of a good segue into our next segment where we kind of talk about the story and the characters of the game. Um, this game involves some pretty intense themes. Uh, <laughs> nuclear war is one of them. And um, it's interesting because they include some real video clips of actual oh, yeah. nuclear war and nuclear... Uh, Missile facilities like actual real life ones and it really makes you feel connected to that theme and it, it does feel like you're on this actual mission to save the world and I know it's just a video game, but it does kind of draw you in because of that um, but. Warren since you are kind of the expert on uh the story of not just this game but the Metal Gear Solid franchise as a whole why don't you take it away from here cuz um there's a lot to say on the story of this game and it's one of the best parts of this game
1: Sure um so as you mentioned yeah this 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 story and not just this but the entire series deals with uh nuclear weapons and it, it's not it doesn't you know Fantasize about them. It's a statement on the the dangers yes. of the use of of nukes, and you know, not just physically and what it can do to the world, but psychologically, having that kind of power and 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 what that means. Um, to the extent that you know that the the end of this game and and many of the games will mention, like this is how many nuclear weapons are left in the world as of this particular date, and let's make efforts to lower that number. Basically, but so this story, this story picks up in 2005 and it's, it's definitely, like you said, it's tied in with real world events. Um, It takes place six years after the previous game. And a lot of people might not realize this, but there were two games before this metal gear, uh, which was also on the NES and then metal gear two solid snake. Um, So this is six years after that. Um, the story is that Foxhound, which was Solid Snake's former unit, a division of the U.S. military, um, he, he was, he's retired from that at this point, but, um, some members of Foxhound have gone rogue and they've taken over a, 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 nuclear disposal facility in Alaska and they've, uh, made a claim that if they don't get the body of Big Boss, who was the, uh, the final enemy for the last games, you know, you know the eight bit games, um, they want the body of big boss given to them. And if they don't get it, they're going to launch a nuke from this site. And, and uh, a, a metal gear itself, if you don't know, is a, basically a walking nuclear tank that can go anywhere and launch a nuke from anywhere. It's not just, you know, so it can't, it's not just limited to an isolated site. So uh, Solid Snake is brought out of retirement by his former commander. Um, He's injected with this thing that is told that will keep him uh, safe. They're nanomachines that will allow him to. He's just given this this story about, you know, this is a good thing. We're helping you. We're sending you in. So um, basically, the idea is that Snake goes in and stops these terrorists, quote unquote terrorists, And stops Metal Gear from being, you know, from launching a nuke, and that's the setup for the story when you go in. Right. And um, you're introduced uh, to so many characters in this game. There, there are the people that are your friendlies that you're contacting on the radio or the codec, and uh, you can call them anytime and get advice and suggestions for what to do. Um, Then there are all the quote unquote enemies. Um, Do you want me to just? Run down some of the characters.
0: Sure, yeah. Um, just be mindful of like spoilers and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll. There, we'll get to, we'll get to a point where I will say, "Hey, we're gonna get into some spoilers here." But okay, uh,
0: <laughs> but I'll, yeah, I'll like, keep that separate. The, I, yeah, I think it's important to talk about some of these characters because it's not like these. Just run of the mill stereotypes or whatever. No. They they this game has some really impressive character development and they've thought long and hard about who these characters are, what their motives are, what their background is, and stuff like that. So um, yeah, uh, so why don't we jump into that?
1: Sure. So obviously we've got uh, Solid Snake, the protagonist of this game. Uh, there is his former commander Roy Campbell, um, who was actually in the previous. The previous game i believe um there is a science off a science officer uh, officer or or scientist like a medical officer naomi hunter um you can call mailing who is who is basically recording your progress on this mission which just means saving you know yeah. sa- you save the game right um there is uh your former mentor master miller uh he's the guy with sunglasses when you call him but Mm-hmm. It's funny that he's wearing sunglasses when you're on a radio call and you can't see the <laughs> sunglasses anyway. Right. Um, in the game, some other people that you can call and talk to are Hal Emrick, who goes by Otacon in the game, um, who who is a technician for Metal Gear and helped uh, facilitate its its uh, progress. There is Merrill, who is said to be uh, Roy Campbell's niece, so your commander's niece. Um, she's. She's in this facility facility and part of your mission is to rescue her and keep her safe. Uh, and then there's a weapon specialist who you can call and she's not as crucial to the story, but anytime you've got uh, a weapon or an item equipped, you can call her and she'll give you whatever information you need about it. And uh, the cool thing is a lot of these characters have, like, there's so much detail that you can, you can call them and just talk to them about the history of nuclear weapons or uh, the history of Alaska and and what it means to be uh, a musher, and uh, you can talk about what uh, the history of of Russia and their involvement in 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 this. And th- there's just so much unnecessary details, so many unnecessary things that that thicken and build the world that you're existing in.
0: Right. It, not just like unnecessary because i I would use that word too, but also it's I appreciate that that level of detail is there too, because it adds so much extra oomph into the game that uh, you, you know, like and it, it could be beca- yeah, it becomes very clear uh, very quickly just how much thought they put into something like this like there's so much variety to the uh dialogue that you have with these characters after each like scene each character has a whole bunch of different things that they can say to you and i found a lot of it informative and um, interesting and funny and helpful and stuff so uh it's it's like it's unnecessary because it's like wow they they put a lot of effort into this, and a lot of it isn't even going to be discovered by most players. But I appreciate that it's there because it just adds so much extra level of detail into this uh, into this game. So, yeah, absolutely.
1: Um, so they they tell you at the beginning of the game, and even in the menu, you can go through this and and go into more detail with the story. I mean, there's there's a half an hour of cutscenes before the game starts. If you want to watch it, they're optional from the menu just detailing your mission but they go over who who end up being the bosses you know that you encounter throughout the game they actually give you this list um we've got Vulcan Raven um who is this I I don't know what his background is exactly but you fight him in a tank in this game
0: (laughs) they describe him in the game as a giant and a shaman
1: oh yeah that's right that's right um yeah, he's
0: like tattoos all over him. He's like yeah, shirtless. Tattoos and, he's
1: got a raven on his head.
0: <laughs> yeah, and actually has a physical raven like on his shoulder, kind of like a pirate with a, a yeah. parrot, you know? Yeah. Um. But yeah, he's like shirtless, and also you're in Alaska, so this is a guy <laughs> who you don't want to screw around with.
1: Right. Um. Some of the other members of this team of the uh, the terrorists are – Ah, uh, revolver ocelot, who's a big player in the story and in the series overall. Um, you've got sniper wolf, uh, and there's a whole, you know, a number of scenes with her um, as the game progresses in different settings. Um, a lot of people's favorite is psychomantis, yeah. and we'll get into some of what his his deal is. Uh, but he can read minds and uh, in, influence people psychologically and control them. Um there's one that that is mentioned but never actually seen. His name is Decoy Octopus. Oh yeah. Um and and uh that's kind of a spoilery thing, so I'm not going to talk about that yet. Um <laughs> <laughs> Another character that you encounter in in a few different settings is is the cyborg ninja. Yes. And uh that's that's its own side thing that connects to some of the other games as well. Um, and then obviously just mentioned in name only is Big Boss.
0: Mm, yeah. Yeah. Who's uh, out of those that we've mentioned so far? Do you have a favorite?
1: Well, my favorite would be Big Boss, but I don't think he counts because he's not technically in the game. Right. Um, probably Cyborg Ninja. True. Um, and that's, I think that's a lot of people's favorite as well, but I love how that that ties into both of the last two games. Cause I played those before I played Metal Gear Solid, you know, playing them in order. I, I played the eight bit games first and that, uh, you know, that that's a through line story wise.
0: Right. I yeah. think he, he probably was like a big reason why they approached the cinematics the way that they did, because he's such an epic uh, action actually character uh, you know with his sword and you know he's obviously called cyborg ninja and he's exactly what <laughs> he's named. Um, so was, he's just like this very epic very cool character with these really awesome moments uh, in the cutscenes. so and yeah he's yeah
1: you can't see his face like he's right. he's got a mask covering him so you don't know who he is and it's this enigma, this mystery throughout you know the first half of the game. Who is this ninja? What's his deal? Because he's not a part of the terrorists. He's not a part of your group. It's just this rogue element in the
0: story. Yeah, absolutely. It's the perfect way of describing it. Um, I would say, like out of the bosses that we've mentioned, from what I remember, Psycho Mantis is my favorite. Oh my gosh! Psycho there's a reason Mantis. why. Yeah. I mean, do you think this would be a good time for us to talk about why he's so special?
1: Yeah, sure. And if if you want, we can launch into some some. Uh, spoiler related things yeah
0: sure unless there was something that you wanted to talk about pre spoilers
1: no we can get into it if we want to let people know
0: yeah let's do it because the the boss fights in this game are so cool and probably my probably my favorite part of the entire game because they're just so interesting and each one is completely different from the other
1: yeah if you compare this to something like Super Mario Brothers you know where the boss is it's just the end cap of a certain section um you know these and even things like like in uh, Metroid or the Legend of Zelda those characters those bosses have flair and there's something unique about them but these have there's a story element and to the point that you're given an emotional tie to defeating them right and it's Great. not just like yay I beat the boss but then there's fallout of what does that mean like am I a killer do I just murder people? What you know psychologically? What what effect does this have on that person and their life, and my life, and the people around us?
0: Yeah, uh, such a good point. Like you said, with Zelda and stuff, it's just a, a character that kind of pops up. You're given the goal of defeating them, and then life goes on. But there's consequences to your actions in these games, and while they're inevitable, there's still things that are going to unfold as a result of. That loss or that action or whatever. So yeah, th- that's a really good point.
1: But yeah, Psychomantis specifically. Um, so I guess we're just launching into some spoilers now.
0: Sure. Um, <laughs> so uh, anyone who's listening will leave a timestamp in the description that you can jump to.
1: Okay. Um, so Psychomantis also he's got this gas mask on. You see him in in sort of some flashes here and there. Up to the, you know, before this point in the game. But when you finally approach him. How do we direct? Do we just talk about exactly what happens?
0: Whatever you want. Yeah. Okay. <laughs>
1: um, so everyone loves Psychomantis because it's such a unique boss fight, you know, story wise, but gameplay wise. Right. When you get to this fight, um, he's he's in control of a character that you trust at this point, being Meryl. And you're kind of following her around. Um but he's controlling her. So Meryl starts attacking you. And so you're like, do I shoot Meryl? (laughs) You know, this is, this is a character I'm supposed to save. How do I stop her? So you've got to figure out a way to disconnect, you know, he's controlling her disconnect that control. Uh, you end up knocking Meryl out like, uh, you know, tranquilizing her or, or just, you know, choking her to the point that she passes out. um, but then the fight with Psychomantis is fascinating because yep. uh for the first little bit you're not able to hit him like none of your attacks do any damage he dodges you every time you hit and you know you're struggling going what do i do how do i fight this guy how do i beat this guy and <laughs> basically he's reading your inputs because he's a mind reader he's reading your controller inputs and the like solution literally, is literally
0: like yeah. in, in the real world as you're playing the game, he you know, that's how it ties into the gameplay. It literally predicts what you're about to do because it can, you know, understand what you're inputting into the game.
1: So you yeah, you find out he's reading the inputs of controller input one. And you've got to unplug your controller, physically get up and go to your console and move it to like port number two, three, or four. Right. And then he realizes, like, oh, no, I can't read you anymore. What's going on? And so you're able to attack him at that point. But it's just, it's, <laughs> it's a mind-blowing thing. you, you know. Sure. If you don't know that, you're just, you're stuck trying to figure out what's going on. Eventually, you can call some of those people in your collection, and, and they give you advice on what to do. Um, but I love that at, at the beginning of the fight, there's this demonstration of his power. And he says, I can read minds. So let me prove it.
0: Right. And yes.
1: he does this thing, he backs up and he he says basically what, what's happening internally is so he's reading your memory card. But he'll he'll say something like, So I see you enjoy the Legend of Zelda.
0: Right. Or
1: or I see you play Super Smash Brothers Melee. it's
0: <laughs> um, crazy. Yeah, it's, it's like, fascinating. It's one of those things, and th- this that's why i feel like this game is so special because very few other games if any really go to this level of outside the box thinking um when it comes to gameplay for you to literally like you said get up and remove the controller and put it in a completely different slot it's unlike anything i've ever played before and for them to read the memory card i don't know any other game maybe Eternal Darkness, it's very reminiscent of Eternal Darkness and this, like, psychological um well, the same with... developers. Oh, yeah, that's a good point, yeah.
1: That's actually, that's one of the games that he'll read and mention if you've played Eternal Darkness. Bring oh. It up.
0: oh, wow, I'd never thought of that till now. Um, cool, I mean, I'm so glad that they had that experience prior to making this game, because it just made the experience, which, to me, like, that was my first time being aware, uh, like... I was completely unaware that that would happen, that I would need to do sure. these things. So that was quite a surprise and really added, like I said, to the, how special the experience was. It's, it's. Uh, I just love games that really push things to the limit and do some things that are so unexpected like that.
1: One other thing in that fight is as soon as it begins, your TV blacks out.
0: Oh, yeah. Right at
1: the beginning of the fight. And up in the top right corner, it looks like what you'd see on like you know uh, at the time like a vcr dvd player and it just says uh, like what you would normally see video in the top right corner just written out there but it says hideo
0: right oh (laughs) i I don't think (laughs) I hideo kojima
1: and you're like what's going on my tv changed inputs you know for just a
0: second (laughs) right yeah (laughs) oh man that eternal darkness connection has my mind like jogging right now um cool yeah that's that is why Psychomantis is the favorite because he just has all these interesting tactics. But all the other boss fights are really cool and interesting in their own way. But it was the one boss fight that just does something completely different, not just in this game, but in any other game, too.
1: Mm-hmm. So short, can we move on to another boss or, do you, or yeah. are we? OK, yeah. so shortly after that, Meryl's following you still. You save her. Um, and unexpectedly, you're walking down this hallway and she gets shot by, by a sniper. And so suddenly you're like, Oh no, like I'm, I was supposed to protect her and save her. But now like, did I fail? Is my mission, you know, compromised? Um, so you've got to backtrack and go find a sniper rifle to take out whoever it is. That's, you know, that that's taken her out from a distance. And you've got to, you try to take her out. Well, I say her, uh, you find out it's it's a female. But when you get back, Meryl is gone. You're like, what? what, I, what? <laughs> Not only did she get shot while I was trying to protect her, but I've lost her. Yeah. One of my favorite and most memorable parts of the game, when you finally defeat this, this sniper at the time, you go through uh, the door to the next area and you're caught by the enemy. And it takes you to a torture scene. Like you're in this, you're in this interrogation room, strapped to to some sort of big console, and uh, there is revolver ocelot standing in front of you, and he's he's like, "We want information from you. We want to know how to launch the nuke. We know that you've got the information because up to this point, you've spoken with some individuals and found out about how to uh, either stop or launch that nuke, and they're trying to figure out how to launch it. And so one of those, a- another one of those meta moments is basically revolver ocelot is explaining to you the controls of you know how to resist the torture it's like an, an electric uh you know uh shock to you and you've got to tap the a button repeatedly so that oh, your live yeah. meter doesn't go out before the time of the of the shock runs out yeah yeah but he's explaining the controls but then he turns to the camera and points and says and don't even think about using auto fire or I'll know.
0: i forgot about that wow
1: um so basically you know another one of those meta things in the game if you if you survive that torture then meryl lives and but all the whole time you're doing it you have an option to give up and say i can't take this anymore and if you do that meryl dies and it changes the the end of the game you know of, of meryl being alive or dead once you get there
0: Am I wrong in saying that, uh, from what I remember, this is where the controller was vibrating, like, insanely, right? Yes. Yeah, it
1: vibrates. That's another thing about that, uh, about the Psycho-Manus fight, too. He tells you to put your controller on the ground and help oh, you yeah. with his mind.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, I totally forgot about that. Oh, man, they did such a great job with that boss fight. <laughs> the best ever.
1: Um, so, let's see moving on from there you um basically you after after a bit of deliberation you make your way to the actual metal gear hanger um well i guess before that you're you have to fight uh sniper wolf again there's this whole big uh you know a lot of drama there's the quote that uh Otacon says of you know, he's in love with this sniper and he says, snake, do you think that love can bloom on the battlefield?
0: Mm.
1: But, um, you know, there's a, it, the game takes time after each boss fight, which I love to talk about, like, what does this mean? Yes. What, what does it mean for the world to lose this person that I just took out? What does it mean for my existence? Do yeah. I have a soul? You know, what, there There's so much there's there's a lot of psychological and emotional weight and heaviness to each of these bosses that you that you you know overcome one at a time.
0: yeah and yeah, th- that's one of the most beautiful things about this game is that, yes, it deals with very serious topics like nuclear war. Yes, it's an action game. Yes, it's a video game, but it has this poetic spin on things that you don't really see too often and it really adds you know i've said this a million times but it really does make the game that much more special because of it and they they think really long and hard about these relationships and the meaning behind them and what it means for these characters and their relationships together so uh yeah um
1: so Moving on from there, you actually uh, you encounter um, Vulcan Raven one more time because you you find out you destroyed his tank, but not him. Right. Uh, so there's a boss fight there, and there's some again emotional depth and weight to the end of that. Um, but when you get into the Metal Gear hangar and you finally see Metal Gear for the first time and realize this is this is it, this is yeah. where I've been trying to go. That's when the game takes this, you know, it takes a pause, a breather to like do something menial. You know, there's, you've got this uh, card key and you, you figure out you've got to um, insert the card key to stop this launch. Uh, but it takes three forms. You've got to take it back to a cold area and it changes shape in the cold. If you take it back, put it back in and then you have to take it back to a warm area like a hot area in the game and it changes shape in the heat and you take it back <laughs> and so it's this this like you know you're on the precipice of something but the game slows down yeah and honestly it gives you a lot of time to reflect on like what have i done where have i been where ha- you know what does all of this mean up to this point um
0: yeah, because and, there's some backtracking involved with that. So you yeah, you've
1: actually got your got to make your way back through the game. They made a shortcut on the GameCube if you can find it. Uh, there's this little ledge where there's a a hot pipe and a cold pipe, and you can shoot them uh, to to lessen that backtracking time. But uh, that changes that changes you know psychologically what you're experiencing also. Yeah. Um. It, it gamifies what's going on.
0: Yeah. It's interesting. It's kind of like a Zelda-like approach uh, for that particular sequence. But yeah, yeah, it it depends on how you approach the backtracking that affects your emotional attachment in a way um, mm. to that particular sequence. So
1: when you finally, I guess this is where the real spoilers drop. Um, <laughs> <laughs> when you finally get all of that taken care of, you insert the last key. It initiates the launch of, of you know the the um, the Metal Gear and the launch of a nuke. And you're like, wait, what? I thought I was stopping it. And you're the one that starts the countdown for for the launch of a nuclear missile. And uh, then it goes into all of all of these uh, background conversations. You find out that. Master Miller, this person that you've, you've known and trusted and you've been talking to, not only in this game, but he, he's a character from the previous game as well. And so if you've played that game up to that point, you're still like, oh, I trust this person. They're helping me. They've been advising me the whole time. You find out that he's actually dead. and You've been speaking to Liquid Snake, the, the antagonist, the main villain that has been hyped up throughout the course of this, this game. And what he, in a dramatic twist, he takes off his sunglasses on the radio call. Like you can see that, um, he's oh, like, yeah. "It's me." <laughs> right,
0: and like the the graphics on the the radio frequencies are not anything special. So for them to do it there was just kind of funny.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's not even done in a cinematic. It's it's in that radio call with just two images. <laughs> yeah, you know, of you and the person you're speaking to. He takes the sunglasses off and like waves his long blonde hair. And he's like, look, <laughs> in
0: like three frames.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, then I'll it goes, that. it goes into exposition of what's actually been happening this whole time. So you find out that, uh, you know, earlier in the game, you find a couple hostages. And after speaking to them and getting the relevant information, they appear to have died from a heart attack. Right. When you approach them, you find out at the end of the game that that injection that you got at the beginning of the game was uh, something called Fox die. And so the government was using you. When when Fox die comes into contact with members of Foxhound, they it simulates a heart attack. So the government was using you to take out the members of uh, Foxhound by coming into contact with them one at a time. And to wipe out Metal Gear. And you find out to wipe out you. You get to the end of the game, you find out basically like you and Liquid Snake, Solid Snake and Liquid Snake are both clones of Big Boss. And the government is embarrassed about that. And they don't like that it's their fault. It was it was a program from back in the 70s to clone this great soldier and make these like super soldiers. To have this like clone army, we're doing Star Wars here, but uh, you find out that basically they've they sent they send in you as a pawn to eliminate everything and to eliminate yourself. Um, and so suddenly you're you realize that you're you're alone. You know you've been betrayed by the government that has been sending you in that you trusted for a long time, and uh, the person that you're there to save you don't know if she's alive or not, and the only the only tie you have to any sense of family is this clone brother of yours who's trying to kill you um and and you're left in this point where like, is there anyone good? Is there anything worth fighting mm-hmm. for? What are we fighting for? Why are we here you know is Is there a point to all of this you're You're able to you know to L- liquid is controlling metal Gear you're able to, to fight and defeat the actual Metal Gear wrecks that we're radical rexing about. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I love this, and and I know you said you didn't make it uh, all the way into this game, but this—well,
0: the, 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 I did beat it. Uh, in yeah, my, well, yeah,
1: back in the day, right, right, right.
0: So I, I do remember that. That's one of my favorite video game moments is when you come into contact and like just being in on that stage and seeing everything just come together and see this like iconic machine that everything that this is what it's all about and you know he's right there it's just like breathtaking in a way and it's uh yeah definitely a moment i'll never forget
1: it's it's i love that they added in first person in this game um because this the overhead perspective what what you see when you walk into that hangar for the first time is just metal like you can't really tell what you're looking at yeah. But the whole the the metal gear itself takes up the whole room of this hangar and you can walk around it and take some stairs up and see parts of it. But, it, you know, in this game, you can get back in the corner and, and look in first person and take in, you know, the awe of this giant mechanical monster that's in front of you and hope that like I don't hopefully this thing doesn't actually, you know, uh, get started. You know, yeah. hopefully I don't have to fight this thing.
0: Yeah, because it's it's so immense, like you said, it's it's kind of like a, a megazord, you know. If, if yeah, anyone yeah, is yeah. familiar with Power Rangers, it's just the immensity of, of how large it is and what's at scale or what's at stake rather because of it. It's this nuclear weapon, so it's it's intimidating in a way. Once you're there, even though it's just a video game, like you just get this sense of uh, you know how how intense the situation is and it's like okay this is what it's all about and you're finally at that point um yeah but, and you're right I, I am glad that they added first person uh perspectives to the game but we'll talk about that a little bit
1: um so another another thing that happens in the middle of that fight is this cyborg ninja that you're not you know, you're not sure of you don't know if you should trust him or fight him or what um and the last minute the metal gear is about to crush you and the Cyborg Ninja jumps in and, like, stops it, holds it up, and basically sacrifices himself uh, so that you can continue and, and take this thing out. But you find out that – a lot of twists and turns to this – you find out that the Cyborg Ninja was your former compatriot and fellow Foxhound member back in the day, Gray Fox who in the first metal gear game, you go into rescue in the second metal gear game. He's actually fighting for big boss and you have to fight him and you think that he's dead. And then in this game, that's why you're like, well, that can't be him. Cause he was killed, you know, in the last game, they talk about that throughout the game, but basically he, he sacrifices himself to give you a fighting chance at the end of the game, yeah. which is also an emotional moment. It, uh, like it's a moment that it, it puts you in the perspective of, uh, like first person, you've got uh, like a missile launcher and you can take out the metal gear in that shot. But if you do, you know, you'll take him out too. Yeah. And so you, like, you, <laughs> it's kind of funny. You press the trigger to fire and snake says, I can't do it. Right. I just can't.
0: It's <laughs> <laughs> a good impression. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's one of the, uh, the other awesome things about, the game is that you have options and, uh, each one has its own unique, you know, advantages and disadvantages or pros and cons rather. And so in that particular moment, it's, it's very heavy because it's, it's quite a decision to make. Um, yeah.
1: Well, those, you know, those, the options that you talk about, that's something that you you're given throughout the course of the game. Yes. Basically the whole time you've got, you know, you've got this mission, but it's up to you. Do I kill every soldier on the way? Or do I stealth my way through, knock people out, use a tranquilizer gun? Like, are these people in the wrong for just doing their job?
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: You know, and, yeah. and it actually, there's a moment towards the end of the game where they, they're like, you're no hero, you're a killer. And then they, they show a visual representation of all the people that you've killed up to that point. Like, look oh. at this, you, in, you enjoy killing.
0: Right. I forgot about that. Yeah, totally. That definitely put things in perspective for me because my first run, <laughs> I uh, I killed a lot of people. I was not pain. Pay- I was not patient at all. Um, yeah. Uh, so Warren, are you okay with us starting to talk about like gameplay and controls? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Um, so wh- why don't you start us off? What did you think of the controls and you can take whatever angle you want.
1: Okay. Um, so, Honestly, like right at the beginning, it takes some getting used to. Yes. it's rough when when you're not familiar and well, at the time, no one was. I mean, um you know, Metal Gear Solid was the first one that had a three d environment. so they were you know it's and it, it's on the cusp of of like three d games mario yeah. sixty four had just come out you know a couple of years prior. Legend of Zelda came out the same year as the original Metal Gear Solid,
0: yeah, they're still figuring things out,
1: yeah. Um, sorry, Ocarina of Time is the game I was referencing that came out at that at that same time. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, it's it, it feels awkward at first because the game is not made to be a a Call of Duty, or you know, it's it's not a shooter. It gives you the option, and it gives you weapons, but the game is really set up to be a game where the controls are made so that you can hide, right?
0: <laughs> Yeah.
1: It it does it doesn't make it easy for you to just run and gun,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know. You can, but it is can. Very
0: difficult. Yeah,
1: it's difficult and it's set up to give you the advantage if you are staying in the shadows.
0: Yeah, exact. And you're rewarded for that because that is the intention. Like yes, we, there is the option to just kill people and go through. Um, that is very difficult, like we said. But you get more rewards and it is um, th- there's all these extra incentives on playing the game that it's kind of more, um, intentionally designed around. But yeah, yeah with, with the controls, it's, I think I said this before, but it's very of its time. And, uh, so I don't know it, how newcomers might feel about it because, um, you know, I did play this game before, so it wasn't my first time playing it, but going back to it after all these years, it did kind of feel like a new experience. And so Uh, I was not sure if I would be able to commit to the game because the controls were a little odd, but when you do you know, start to understand how they work, they're fine. Um, it just takes a little bit of, uh, of adjusting. Um, it's, you know, they, they serve their purpose for the most part. My only issue was that sometimes I would interact with something that I didn't really mean to interact yeah. with, or I wouldn't interact with something when I meant to at that point in time. And, uh, there, you know, time is of the essence with a lot of these moments. If you're in the middle of uh, someone trying to, Um, come after you or like if you triggered the security warning or something you have no time to for mistakes or anything and so it becomes frustrating in that moment when the controls don't do exactly what you intended for them to be but it's really not that big of a deal like yeah we're the controls aren't ideal but it really wasn't that big of a deal and um i didn't really uh, mind replaying some of these levels when i died it just became frustrating every once in a while
1: Yeah, well, the game doesn't do, you know, a lot of games will give you a tutorial and tell you all the button combinations and exactly how to play it, and the game does not do that. Yes, There are a few things it tells you how to crouch. Um, You know, if you call someone and ask them a question, they might tell you a thing, but for the most part, you're just thrown into a situation and you're left to feel helpless. You start out the game with no weapons, Yeah, and the only thing you have is, like, you can punch an enemy or grab them but you don't even know how to do that it doesn't it doesn't even tell you press the a button you know to grab yeah. someone yeah um
0: and it's i it, like that though because it slowly opens up you know all these new items that you encounter and many of them are items you might not even get a chance to get depending on how you play the game sometimes you just won't uh, go into a certain room and you just won't have access to a certain item for the rest of the game um so it is interesting it's this, uh, it's this interesting mix of like you said it there's some abilities that you have right from the get-go that they don't really describe to you and explain too well um so that's open for you to explore and get to know, but also as you progress, you get these new items, you kind of tinker around with them, see how they've kind of fit your gameplay style, and um, sometimes you get an explanation, sometimes that uh, gets, sometimes they don't say anything at all, and that's up to you, and sometimes like on the, the radio frequency thing, um, they'll describe how you use it within a certain scenario, especially after you die a certain amount of time. So, sure. uh, yeah, they kind of have a, a variety of ways of uh, explaining the gameplay to you.
1: Yeah, at the beginning of the game, you can actually completely miss both the the Trank pistol and the Socom pistol. Yes. and Which which kind of end up being your primary you know, go-to weapon, either one of those. But you can completely miss it. And just go on into the game, not realizing. Oh, I should have checked this truck, or I should have crawled under it, or checked this room to to pick up that item. Otherwise, you can you can go on and and it, the game lets you go. You can keep playing it, and you can beat the game without having those. But it's really easy to just overlook because you're you're left so you know. Despite having all these people, you are left on your own.
0: Yeah, which is cool. It's it's for a certain type of player. It's not for everyone. It's not for, you know, little kids, obviously, because it's rated oh, no. M. But it's, um yeah, if, if, if that is something that interests you, you're going to love this game because uh, yeah. there's just so much variety and there's all these different options and ways to approach a certain situation. Um, sometimes, like I said, the game is designed around a certain way and they kind of incentivize you to go about that certain approach. But it also... Is rewarding in its own way to kind of ignore that and do something on your own and kind of, um, yeah, just get experimental and weird with it. Um, there, there's a lot um, of, if we can talk
1: about like the actual stealth and the sneaking for a minute,
0: absolutely, yeah.
1: Um, like that's you know, Metal Gear is not just sneaking around, but there is a lot of it, and but they go out of their way to make that diverse, yes. You know, you'll, you'll, when, when I find stealth elements in other games it's usually not very good or not very fun
0: or interesting either
1: yeah yeah but this game i mean you like at the beginning of the game you start out and um garth you can see this like field of vision a cone that a lot of games will do this on a little map it shows you where they can see if you've got the difficulty settings adjusted so that so they see it but um you know, staying out of that line of sight, you can hug the wall, get up against it. You can press a button to peek around the corner and look at guys or aim around the corner. Um, You can get on your stomach and crawl. If you're running and run through like a puddle of water, the guards hear it and turn and look and come after you. Um, If a guard spots you, you've still got a few seconds to stop them before they alert the other guards. They'll either, they'll like run to a radio to call for help, but you can stop them before that. I love that when, when you knock a guard out, when they wake back up, they remember being knocked out and they'll call for help, even though you knock them out. If you don't get out of the area or, or actually kill them, then you're still, you know, under, you know, danger of being, you know, alerting the guards. The difference is like, you can actually shoot them with a tranquilizer and they don't remember being choked or, or see you. Um, I like that they give you some other things like uh, – I don't know if you knew this, but this is a – uh, they brought this over from Metal Gear Solid 2. When you jump over a uh, – like a ledge, hang, hanging off of a ledge, which you can yes. do, you can press L and R to do a chin-up, like a pull-up. Oh, and man. if you do that 100 times, it, ra- it like levels you up and you get stronger. What? So if you – when you're playing, you can see when you're holding on to something, it shows grip level 1. Oh my and you can God. do a hundred chin ups and get to grip level two and then do a hundred more and get to grip level three.
0: So what does it do? It just gives you it, like better it, health. It
1: means you can hold on longer. So if you're hiding from an enemy oh. and you want to jump over the side of a ledge and wait for them to pass by. Right. Normally it shows this like stamina meter that drains and you've got basically like, I don't know, five seconds that you yeah. can stay there. But you get to grip level two and then you've got 10 seconds. Right. And then you get to grip level three and you've got 15 seconds.
0: Oh, wow. That's so interesting. I had no clue. Wow.
1: So like right at the beginning of the game, you could find a ledge strengthen and then go on from there. Yeah. Um, there's a bunch of things like that. I love that uh, the game supplies you with uh, chaff grenades. I think mm-hmm. that's how you pronounce it, but they went like you can disable electronic equipment. So the cameras don't sneak, see you when you go by. There's uh, there's the iconic cardboard box that's that's in every Metal <laughs> Gear game.
0: Right I don't know how we he, haven't
1: mentioned that to this point.
0: I know, right? And that's how he uh, premiered in Super Smash Brothers with that box. That's right. But
1: like, so you can you can put that box on. Uh, obviously, if you're walking around in it, enemies will see you and you'll get spotted. But you can just be a non-discreet cardboard box sitting in the corner of the room, and no one notices you when they pass by, or the cameras will will not see you if you're not moving
0: yeah it's it's so clever and um you know like what you're kind of alluding to is they give you these interesting tools for you to kind of use the world as this playground and sandbox of getting through these obstacles however you kind of prefer and uh the items are just so varied and unique like uh one of my favorite ones i didn't do it during this playthrough but i'll never forget when i was a kid and i did this uh they give you something called a book that uh you place (laughs) down You you yeah. place it down in front of an enemy, or uh, you anticipate that an enemy is going to walk in that direction, and when they find it, they become very interested in this book. And I'm not going to describe what the book is, but right. uh, the soldiers are very interested in the book and what is inside the book, and it is a distraction for the guards for you to do whatever you want to do within that moment. So I just mm-hmm. thought that was a very interesting uh, Item that they added, <laughs> uh, along with all the other ones that that you talked about, but that one to me really stood out.
1: The book, yeah, <laughs> and and it doesn't show what like you can throw it on the ground and look and see what it is exactly, but it's just actually, in your inventory and it just says book, you know, right.
0: But actually, if I remember when I was looking at it through the first person's perspective, the front <laughs> cover I believe is like Alexandria something or other from Eternal Darkness. Oh, She's, really. Yeah, so I thought that was a cool little nod. Yeah, to
1: there are a few references to other games. Um, I know there's a poster for Eternal Darkness somewhere. Uh, like, yeah. inside of, of some of... The, like, when you open up some of the... Uh, uh, Like, I don't know. They're like lockers, basically. You can open up a locker and get inside yeah. of it and shut the door and hide inside of there. But some of those have posters on the inside of the door um, of different right. things. Um, I cool. love... Th- yeah, I love that you can actually you can approach guards from behind and hold them up, and they'll like stop in place and stand, and uh, debilitate them for a few minutes to get you know you can uh, get get by guards that way. Right. Uh, do you remember speaking of uh, eternal darkness and like other games in the first time that you encounter um, cyborg ninja in that room where you also meet Otacon if you look around, there's a little Mario and a Yoshi statue.
0: Yes, I was going to bring that up. Yep, I thought that was such a cool little addition. I think it's like a bobblehead, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. There's like figurines, um, and you can shoot them. You get the one-up sound effect, and you get some health if you shoot Mario.
0: Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yep, yep, yep. Um, yeah, and there's Mario and Yoshi. Uh, I think that's it, though.
1: There's uh, on, And on another section of that room, there's a Nintendo GameCube and a Bird, like sure. plugged into a TV.
0: <laughs> do you know if they do anything?
1: The GameCube doesn't do anything. I wish it did. Uh, at least I don't think so. You can see on the screen, you can see the, uh, like a startup menu. I don't know if it's the.
0: Oh, sure. Like the jingle maybe? Like I don't know if it's
1: like... the, I don't know if it's the GameCube logo or if it's that like options menu where it shows you like the time and date. Yeah. Like calendar and you can check your memory card. I, th- I think that's on the screen.
0: Right. If I'm remembering yeah. correctly. Something like that. But, um, yeah, it's just all these little levels of detail that they put into this game. Like, it's very true to the original, but they also added some interesting extra touches, like the one that we mentioned. But um, I also wanted to mention that the ai the artificial intelligence of the soldiers is really impressive especially for that time um i especially going back to it because i have played some stealth games ever since but going back to a 2004 gamecube game it's just really cool to see that these soldiers communicate with each other they listen like very intently so if you are you know not just if you're walking but you're kind of moving a little too fast, they will hear your footsteps, so you have to move a little carefully. And they're very thorough, they look under things. If, you, uh, if you're if you near a truck and you hide under the truck, it's very likely that they will look under the truck. They're not these dumb goons, they actually, uh, have pretty, you know, thorough mechanisms of inspecting an area. So I was very impressed with that. And it makes it interesting because you have to be smart about how you hide. You can't just hide behind a barrel thinking like, oh, they can't see me um, because it's out of their, you know, perspective. Sometimes that might be true, but many times, you know, like I said, they're very thorough and they look everywhere.
1: Well, right at the beginning of the game, you're walking through the snow and the soldiers will see your footsteps and follow your footsteps all the way to wherever you went.
0: <laughs> yes, so cool. Yeah, and
1: I, uh... <laughs> I love too this other detail about those soldiers. If you, if if one of them spots you, like I said, you've got a few seconds to knock them out or whatever. Yeah, before they call. But if they get on the radio and they say, "I'm calling in a suspicious person," or like we've got an intruder. If you cut them off mid call, then you can hear the return call. That's like, "Hello." Hello, right. are you there? And then they send in
0: people anyway. Like Yeah, exactly. And it, <laughs> it's it, it adds this like level of realism to it because you know in other games they it, it might just like stop the sequence from happening or progressing. But in the real world, it like you said, if that were to happen, they'd be like, Oh, something's not right, so let's send in some more people. Yeah. So uh, and if, if and you that,
1: leave a go ahead,
0: sorry. Uh, I just wanted to bring up that, like, there's different levels of, like, these security warnings. So when you trigger something, you have a few seconds to kind of hide or do something about it. But if you're not careful or, you know, if, if they easily find you or whatever um, then it's like okay this is like panic mode <laughs> you have been found they will shoot you You. it is very likely that you will die although you do have some time to kind of um, change the scenario and still hide and, mm-hmm. and have the security level go away but um, it, it really depends on what you do in that moment because uh, you can uh, trigger backup people from arriving or other different scenarios so it's, it's interesting that um, there's like this hierarchy of, of security levels that they thought about. Um, yeah. what are we going to say? And I, I was
1: just going to mention that, um, you got to be careful about where you leave somebody. If you leave a body and another soldier spots the body, then they'll come in. Like if, if they're dead, obviously they'll say, we've got a down soldier, soldier, but you can, uh, knock them out and they'll come and wake them up and then they'll actually communicate be like, someone knocked me out or, you know, yes. and, and then it still, still raises the alarm. Yeah,
0: I just thought it was so cool that they would be like, you know what, send in replacements because this situation is very fishy. So, oh yeah, and then, and then they actually do. I just think that's so cool. But um and also one last thing I wanted to note about you know the the stealth element is the use of rumble. I just thought that that was so mm-hmm. cleverly implemented when
1: I was playing in- with a wave bird. So I didn't I didn't oh. see that. Yeah. Oh,
0: okay. See, that's my main issue with the Wavebird is the lack of rumble. Um, I hear good things about the Wavebird, but like, I'm just such a... I need rumble. <laughs> it just... It, it completes the experience for me. But, um, yeah, this game really... Uh, cleverly utilized rumble like when you're hiding in the locker cabinet you feel your heartbeat because oh. in that moment it's oh, yeah, so intense yeah. you know? um and yeah and i th- it gets more and more intensive like someone's nearby and also um when you're in like a room and you see that there are guards on your radar walking around the room you feel the footsteps of them walking by and it gets really? louder. And more uh, intense, the closer they are to you. And then I say, oh, that's great. Face, it's very cool. And it's it kind of reminded me of like HD Rumble because you know this was available on a two thousand and one game system. and that's that's pretty refined for uh, a technology that just premiered right before that. well,
1: like Kojima goes out of his way to break that fourth wall and get you immersed in the gaming experience. And actually, like I, I forgot to mention this earlier, but you, <laughs> at one point um when you're trying to contact meryl um you don't know her frequency and so you call uh your your commanding officer and he's like i don't know her frequency either check the back of the box <laughs>
0: right <laughs> wait did they mean the game box
1: because i was game box at if you oh, have wow. that you can look on the back of it and it says like somewhere on there it shows like 141 point or whatever the the frequency oh. is and you can tune to that so like if you don't have the box you've got to you know google it look it up and find out what that was
0: right okay i was playing that and i saw that today and i'm like did i like did he does he mean the cardboard box that you know i have as an <laughs> item i wonder actually it might be on that but um yeah i mean i just keep my game to GameCube discs and like um like a binder at the moment, so oh, yeah, I, yeah. I don't have the box available, but I, that's cool. I did not know that. I love that. And, uh, and
1: yeah. there's so many little elements like that. Um, the, uh, what is it? Like, little, little twerks. Twerks, goodness. Listen, oh, I mean, Lord, it's a mature game. Not. Quirks and tweaks. I combined those words. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> well,
0: I'm glad you did.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, like, later in the game, um, after you've been uh, taken hostage or like, you know, you've been caught, you're thrown into a cell. Um, Otacon comes and brings you some ketchup in case you're hungry. (laughs) You can put the ketchup on you and like fake, fake being killed, like fake blood and get the guard to come in. But when you pick up, when you, when you finally escape from there, you get your equipment and you're just going on with the game. Like it's nothing. And then you find out like, Oh, it just in case you pick up your equipment, they put a time bomb in your equipment. And so if you're looking through your inventory, you see bomb and there's like a counter going down.
0: (laughs) Oh man, I forgot about that. (laughs) And so
1: you've got it, you've got to pick it up and throw it. And that happens later in the game. Like at one other point, you pick up an item and you don't know what it is, and you just keep going, but it's a time bomb.
0: I love that. That's so cool. Uh Uh, All right. Well, I think um, let's move on to our next category, uh, which is the audio, music, and sound design of the game. So do you have any thoughts on the game's uh, sound design or anything related to that?
1: The I mean, when you say sound and Metal Gear, the first thing that pops up is the exclamation point above people's head. Right. (laughs) Every time you get caught.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Even in like uh, the Super Smash Brothers trailer that was shown like uh, at the end, which I thought was. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. But, um, you know, my thoughts on the the music is that I thought it was really appropriate. It was very energetic. It was like ominous and dark and appropriate with like the themes that were attached to it. And I never found it like bothersome. I don't think it was like annoying at any point or inappropriate. It it just fit into everything so perfectly, and so mm-hmm. while it's not like memorable, it's not something that you're gonna be humming around in the car with at like a red light or whatever. It it was very perfect for setting the tone and the atmosphere of um, of just the entire game or like any particular scene. So, um, yeah.
1: I will say that for me, there is a song that gets stuck in my head, and and it might happen to you without you even realizing it, but the The sound, the music that plays during an alert. oh when everyone's chas- it's like or whatever. But like <laughs> if I'm in a hurry or getting ready, like and I'm like in a rush that that's in my head as I'm going by. It's like this frantic like I've gotta I've gotta do something real quick and figure something out.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it definitely gets the message across that hey, you are in a dire situation right now. You got to figure something out. I don't know what it is, but just do it. Um yeah, it definitely gets gets the message across. Um <laughs> but uh one last thing that I wanted to mention for the like the sound design is that the voice acting was phenomenal in this oh, game. Oh, yes. And there is so much of it. Maybe that's why this game Ah, uh, spanned across two discs. But like we mentioned before, there's so much dialogue. And in my opinion, it was so extremely well done and well acted. And even at times if it wasn't, it I I don't care. I kind of like that. It adds like charm to the game. But overall I thought it was phenomenal for a video game. I thought it did such a great job.
1: Every yeah, every cut scene is is voiced, obviously. But then there's so much, like we talked about, and unnecessary is the wrong word, but superfluous maybe, just right. so much dialogue, and it's all voiced, and you can even, I mean, you've got the option, to, I think it's the B button, you can press to cut the audio off and just read it yourself, yeah. at your own pace, but it's it's scripted, and it just keeps going, and going, and going, and you can spend, I mean, a lot of, this game is maybe like 8 to 10 hours-ish, Yeah, and half of that is cut scenes and dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's There's such a, so much it.
0: Yeah. It, it's, it's different from a lot of other games because it's a little less interactive because of that, um, because the story is such a major focus. And um...
1: I will say they made, uh, and this is not a big deal at all, but I notice it every time I turn it on because I've played the original Metal Gear Solid. Um you know, you hear, like, when you turn on the Game Boy, you expect the ba-da, that little sound. Yep. And when you turn on the GameCube, you hear the GameCube startup music. Same thing when you turn on a 3DS, you hear the startup music. And you start to identify, like, this is what I hear every time I start this game. When you start the original Metal Gear Solid, there's this really short burst of, of recording of, a, of a like, a female singer going ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba. That's not in this, and it bums me out every time I turn on Twin Snakes. Right at the beginning, it's when the Konami logo comes up. I'm expecting to hear ba
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Yeah, <laughs> they, never they cut heard that out. That. I don't. I don't know why that choice was made, but every time I turn it on, and I'm like leaning forward, like I'm going to hear it, <laughs> and <laughs> right. then it's not there.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, that would drive me nuts. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean. Just my overall thoughts on on the sound design and music and stuff. Music's great. Voice acting is great. Uh, Super high uh, production value in in, in that category in particular. Um, Let's move on to um, the graphics of the game. Um, My thoughts on the graphics is that it kind of tries to go for, like, this realistic-ish look. But it's also kind of, like, daydreamy and cartoonish in a way. Um, so, you know, it's, it is trying to make it feel as though it's happening in the real world, but, um, the GameCube obviously had its limitations. And so they kind of had this unique, I don't want to say art style, but conceptual art of the game where the characters are kind of, they kind of look like mannequins, which kind of like drove me a little insane. (laughs) Um they just have these weird faces, but I also kind of like that. For some reason, it just works for me. Um, there's something charming about it. but uh, the the levels themselves, there's a lot of like gray and black and uh, you know some green and brown. So it's not the most like vibrant, but I don't know. The game's just so compelling that you don't really pay attention that there's not too much variety um to the aesthetics i guess but um yeah i think it's just kind of like watercolory in a way it's like realistic but daydreamy and watercolory in a way i guess to kind of give it this artistic feel uh with this system that is a little bit limited and because they know it won't look perfectly realistic which the later ones would try to kind of kind of try to go for so what do you think yeah. about the graphics um,
1: They definitely, you know, playing playing Metal Gear Solid 2, they brought over the same, I don't know if it's the same engine or not, but it looks visually very similar to Metal Gear Solid 2. And uh, it's a huge, huge improvement in just the visuals of, of the PS1 game as any remake of a PS1 game would be at any point ever. It's going right. to look better than the PS1 game. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I agree, though. It's, it's, a, it's hard being on the GameCube and just at that time, making things look ultra-realistic is, is tough. And going back, watching it with that frame of mind, thinking this is going to look like a real person in a real environment, um, it doesn't meet that expectation. But you can definitely get a sense. I mean, like you said, there, there is a style to it. You can tell that they were going for an approach at the time. You know, does that hold up or not? I don't know, but the gameplay is good enough that it
0: <laughs> yeah. it
1: makes up for it.
0: Right. It, it wasn't really something that I was a conscious of while playing it. It was kind of just something I was thinking of For the sake of this episode, just kind of like reflecting on the look and that's kind of what I took away from it, but um, it doesn't sound like I'm giving it the most sparkling review or impression of it, but like it's perfectly serviceable and works for the game. And also it's important to keep in mind that this game was intended for standard definition TV, so it's very possible that it looks much better on a TV like that. Um, I... I am very fortunate that I have one of those like GameCube up-resers. Me too, uh, that yeah. It's like those plug-in things and makes a huge difference. Um, so while it's a lot more crisp, which is great, takes advantage of my HDTV, I don't really know if that's uh, a true reflection of like what their vision was at that time, like the, what what they intended the game to really look like on a standard uh, TV. <clears throat> But um, the the textures are a little bit muddy. That's something that's kind of just inevitable. Um, So, yeah, muddy textures, which is not a big deal. But um, one thing that I do really like is the camera angles of the game. It has, like, a whole variety of camera angles, and usually they're perfectly fine. But something that they introduced into the game was the first-person perspective uh, from Metal Gear Solid 2. And some people complain about that, say that it's game-breaking. I think it's fine. I thought that it and added an interesting new element into the game and I like looking around in my game. So that's just uh, uh it was a nice addition at least for me. So um yeah.
1: It definitely that first person perspective makes the world feel more alive. Right. Cuz coming from that, you know, the generally the gameplay is this top down overhead perspective and it shifts, you are right? It does shift. Depending on what room you're in, it kind of has a, a cinematic flair. Even just walking around, yes. the camera will like pan and follow you through certain areas. Um, but also, the funny thing about this, the graphics, is a number of the characters that you get to know throughout the game don't even have 3D models. It's um, just that that codec conversation. Like right. for for the colonel that you talk to and and mailing that saves your game, the a lot of those people that you talk to on the radio don't even have. It's just the two D image that you see, right? In, in, the, in and, that dialogue,
0: and you don't really mind. And you know, you look at that codec a lot throughout this game, but you don't really mind how primitive it looks, kind of because it's a, a legacy thing and an iconic element of the Metal Gear Solid franchise. But also, the you know, it, it's it's very simple. It's like these kind of like anime styled characters with like a, a green layover if that's the right word i don't know Mm -hmm. and uh, it kind of has like these like radio signals to make it look like or give this feel of like a radio signal or whatever um but you don't really pay attention to the look of it because you're so engaged with what they're saying because again the voice acting is phenomenal and the the story and the character development that's unfolding in those conversations is so uh, engaging and uh, compelling and interesting that you're you're only focused on that. You don't really care about the graphics so much. So yeah, um, yeah the graphics are not, they're not the most uh, impressive part of the game, but it doesn't matter because everything else is just incredible.
1: It is, it is a, you should definitely look up maybe some comparison shots though to the original Metal Gear. <laughs> it's, it's astounding how, how different this game looks visually like yeah. uh, you know like in, in that in metal gear solid for the ps1 they don't have facial features it's like it's just kind of a faded area for eyes and a painted on mouth
0: right just a block like, head. blocky yeah exactly <laughs> i do remember seeing uh you know comparison images when the game started to come out i was just like oh yeah i'll i'll stick with this version <laughs> Not that I could play the other one, but um, was there anything else that you wanted to add?
1: Uh, not about the sound. It's it's just, it's excellent all throughout,
0: honestly. All right. Honestly. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so I wanted to kind of talk about just like miscellaneous favorite things or little details that we noticed throughout um, our experience with the game that... Um, just make the experience so interesting so um, I thought that the briefing mode uh, the one that you kind of mentioned to me when we were talking before was really interesting Uh, they do give you some background on previous games which I appreciate because they add some context on what's happened before the game and um, there's this weird mode where like they have these Fake videotapes of the Commander talking to uh, Solid Snake, and you can move the camera around, which is weird because it's like it's a recording. So why are you able to interact in that way? But um, <laughs> the conversations were really interesting there. Um, <clears throat> uh, I think it's important to note that this game has a sense of humor to it. yes, oh, it's yes. it's very dark overall, but, they, I don't want to say they take don't take it too seriously because they do, but they they do sprinkle in little jokey things, kind of like the book that I mentioned before, and hiding under a box because it looks very silly, and um, these silly items that you get to. So, um, yeah, and also something I thought that was interesting. I'm not sure if you noticed this, but with the uh, when after like the president dies. They kind of talk about the the chips that you have like in your body or you're carrying or something like that. And this is before Bluetooth was invented and NFC chips. So they tried to imagine this future where we have these chips that like interact with things around us. But their explanation was that these chips interact with our body's electrical field and the salts of our bodies. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Because um, I'm I'm sure that's a technology that could exist, but luckily uh, that's not really what Bluetooth runs on. <laughs> so I, I that <laughs> Body was salt cool. propelled. Yeah, um, and I also thought that the mission logs were really considerate. Like when you save oh, the game yeah. and you turn the game off, you turn it back on a few days later, they give you this little reminder and summary of what has happened up to this point, and it, it's very short, but it, it's right to the point and after you read them, you're just like, oh, yeah, I totally forgot about that. Okay, uh, this is where I'm at, so let's keep going. So I, I thought that was a really clever um, and helpful implementation.
1: Yeah, that's that's something that I really appreciate about this game. There are a lot of games that if I, I play for a little while, and I, for whatever reason I stop playing for a day or a week or or even a month or however long, but coming back to it, sometimes I have to start the game over because I don't know where I am. But you jump into this, and it, it's like a couple paragraphs of of... Here's exactly what you've been doing and what you're trying to accomplish.
0: Exactly, yeah. And, you know, just two quick, uh, maybe paragraphs. It depends on how much you've done up to that point. But, yeah, right to the point, super helpful. You get an idea of what just happened and what you got to do, and it's it's perfect. I love that. And more games should be doing that by this point, and they haven't really done that. Um, But, yeah, there's lots of fun little secrets in the game and different ways to approach scenes. Uh, We've mentioned that a few times, but there's lots of options and things that you may not ever encounter. So uh, the replayability of the game, like, yeah, it's very short, but it does kind of incentivize you to go back because there's lots of things that you will miss inevitably. So I thought that was pretty interesting.
1: A fun thing to do in this game is, and there's no way I could make it through it, (laughs) but to play it on extreme which is every time you get spotted you get a game over
0: (laughs) Uh, Nah, i'm good with that (laughs) although that does sound like a pretty fun challenge if i well i I,
1: after i finished it see i played it i've played it uh a few different times now but the last last time i played it i put it on very easy just so i could get through the story and get through the game but right afterwards i started it over again on extreme and it is tough it is so tough it after several tries, I was able to make it through the first area, and that's it, right. Like just to get to the snow hangar just to get through that first little area, but that that's <laughs> a tough experience for sure,
0: yeah, for, because, like we mentioned, the AI in this game is very intelligent. so it's an interesting challenge to kind of. Uh, you know, sneak through without ever being noticed the entire game, that is a daunting task, but Mm -hmm. um, pretty fun. I just wish that the controls kind of lent themselves a little bit better to that type of challenge, because I feel like it wouldn't just be the challenge of not being seen, but the challenge of overcoming some of the minor quirks in the controls, too.
1: Well, they made uh, definitely, you know, over time as they made more Metal Gear Solid games, um improved the controls to the point that the the most recent release, well, almost most recent, but Metal Gear Solid Five, um, they refined the controls so much by that point, it's a night and day comparison.
0: Right. Yeah, I've I've heard that it's gotten a lot more refined ever since, which is good to know that it hasn't gotten like too archaic. You know, Resident Evil for a while used the same like tank controls and then they Just recently started to make them a little bit better from what I hear. Um, But, yeah, one last thing on that is I found it to be a lot more difficult than I expected. I played the game uh, this time. I don't know how I played uh, the first time I played and beat it. But this time I played on easy, and I was still struggling. I I still am struggling. Um, You know, with one of the boss fights, Vulcan Raven, that's a tough boss fight even on easy mode. So... um, it's just something to expect. It's not like I don't want to say it's unfair, although maybe at times it can be. But like it's it's still a fun challenge, and you do kind of begin to understand how you can uh, overcome the challenge. But it's uh, it it can be tough.
1: I would say personally, of of all the boss fights, that one is the weakest, in my opinion, at least, um, because the yeah you're right. The mechanics of the game don't service that boss fight as well as it could. um so that's for me that one's at the low
0: end of all the fights (laughs) right and it's not because it's a bad boss fight it's just that the controls are just a little annoying in the heat of the moment sometimes um because i think it's a great boss fight i think it's very interesting how you approach it but um but it's still doable just something to consider um and so the kind of like one of the last things, I guess the second to last thing I want to talk about is like our final impressions of the game, like how we remember it um, moving forward. So um, in my opinion, you know, it, it the game takes itself very seriously, like I said, but... Uh, The the sense of humor that it adds in between and these extra details that they add make it into an experience that is unlike anything else I've ever played, even to this day. Um, There's just so much production value in this game. And and I wish it sold even better than it did and and on the minds of people more than it is because of that uh, level of detail, because I would love for more of that. I feel like games... They have a lot of detail and things that don't really matter and aren't really that interesting but i i want them to start focusing on you know relationships and um options and games and funny little details and stuff like that um but yeah i i loved this game i love it i, I I love talking about it with you and reminiscing of it. I'm um, just so nostalgic for my experience with it. Um, something that I did notice when I was playing the game is that I'm very impatient. <laughs> so it was hard to go back and like wait sometimes, you know, so it is not a game for the impatient, but it is definitely worth uh, committing to. It's worth the investment of time um, and it's not very long, which is great. Um but yeah I just I love this game very thoroughly. So what are your final impressions of the game?
1: It's it's impossible for me to look at this game without connecting it to the rest of the series. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's for me that is what stands out to me the most is how well this game um you know it has it had the benefit of hindsight uh being that it came out after Metal Gear Solid 2. And so, even in the final uh, moments of the game, after the credits are over, there's a little tag that that loops it back in and connects it to the events of Metal Gear Solid Two. Um, but when you when you play the rest of the series all the way up, like to the end of the timeline, quote unquote, of of Metal Gear Solid Four, um, and then going back to the beginning at uh, Metal Gear Solid Three Snake Eater, it this game is 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 right in the middle of all that timeline wise and it's fascinating playing this knowing the the history and the future of that storyline and how this is integral to to that continuity um and i i love you know zooming out and viewing it in the context of that and i would absolutely you know it's fun to go back and play the original metal gear solid um but as far as you know which one is is quote unquote canon you know fans would disagree but this is the one that i would suggest if you're going to play through the series play this one when you get to that point
0: yeah it's um yeah it's it it lends itself to a variety of players as long as you know what to expect um, yeah, I, I do think it's it's good for beginners, if you know what to expect, but um, it is very cool that you have that perspective with the entire series, um, because that, I'm sure, lends itself to a, a unique experience in, on its own. But for me, who has only played this version, or I'm sorry, this particular title in the Metal Gear s- series, it's only... This is the only game that I've played. Um, I love it. You know, even without really knowing all the other things and the other games, I I still think it's worth playing. And um, me not playing the other ones hasn't affected my enjoyment whatsoever. It's just that I have this one singular experience, and um, it's kind of like a standalone thing in my mind. Oh, absolutely, completely fine. Yeah,
1: yeah. The story is is very self-contained. I love that it's yeah. You don't have to have any prior knowledge. And it gives you enough knowledge, you know, enough information within the game itself to be able to understand the context of what you're doing and what you're playing.
0: Exactly. Yeah, that's a really good point. So, yeah, it's it is self-contained and it is enjoyable in that way. But it also happens to tie into this other series and you begin to appreciate all the little nuances and complexities in the story. And it just adds this more rewarding uh, experience if you are able to uh, experience the other games. Um, so the last thing I want to talk about is the legacy of this game and how it stands on its own, you know, looking back. But um, when the game came out, it did get a lot of positive reviews, which is great. Uh, and that was one of the reasons why I picked it up. But I've noticed that there's a lot of like nitpicking criticisms of of it. And uh, one of them was that you know the first person mode kind of like was game breaking? I had no uh, experience with that at all. Um, I thought it was perfectly fine, and I thought that it added to the game. But that's just me.
1: Well, the I think you know where you could see what people are talking about is when you try to play the game without using first person, mm-hmm. and that's what they're accustomed to with you know with the original versus the remake. Like for example, that uh, the fight with Revolver Ocelot. Um, you can't see where he is in the original game. Yep. You've got to, you know, see where the gunshots are coming from and, and aim in that direction. But in first-person mode, you just look at him and shoot him.
0: Right. <laughs> but I, I think it's like it, it offers a different experience. Not really like it does a worse yeah. experience because I actually kind of would prefer that. I don't really want to do the thing that you're describing. That the original right. Has. I, i actually thought this was pretty cool because you go from a third person perspective to a first person pr- perspective and you have to like line up your shot which you don't really do too often in this game so i thought it out offered a little bit of variety so i kind of yeah. like it um, but i can totally understand people uh or purists not really enjoying that which is perfectly valid but for a lot of people especially, you know, strictly Nintendo fans, this is going to be their really only experience with the series and they're not going to really notice that. So I I think it's perfectly fine. Um, But uh, this is one of of just a few games in this series that are on Nintendo platforms. So uh, there's this on the GameCube, there's Metal Gear Solid 3D, which is uh, a 3D,
1: like stereoscopic
0: 3D version of Metal Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater, or I think even Subsistence uh, for PlayStation 2, which I've heard very good things. And Warren uh, actually persuaded me to buy it, and I actually have it in my collection at the moment, which is very cool, and I'm excited to get to that. And, Hopefully um, we can talk about that one day. Oh, I'm sure we will. Yeah, yeah. we're definitely <laughs> going to make an episode on that. And uh, there's a few others on uh, like the original Nintendo and Game Boy. Can you talk about those, Warren?
1: Yeah, uh, so the original Metal Gear was ported to the NES, um, and it had a few changes just coming from Japan, bringing it over to America. There's some issues with like uh, the text for characters not being in the right place, and some translation issues. Uh, But for the most part, it is the same game uh, with with a few things added or taken away here and there so that, yeah, you can play the original Metal Gear on the NES. And um, it was available on the Wii at the time when the Wii had a virtual console. But that's that's gone now. Wow. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. And uh, it got its own American only exclusive sequel called Snake's Revenge. Uh, that is not considered canon and uh kojima himself disowned that game and <laughs> didn't have any involvement with it wow um but that's also on the nes so there's metal gear and snakes revenge uh, which took it's mostly the similar kind of gameplay but it added a, also like like zelda 2 did added like a side scrolling section where you could go back and forth and and um play that way oh cool um, but then there's the fantastic and undermentioned Metal Gear Solid or Metal Gear Ghost Babel for the Game Boy Color, which was intended to, you know, uh, use the popularity of Metal Gear Solid. This And this was before uh, Twin Snakes came out. But take the popularity of Metal Gear Solid and bring it to a portable form. So it is it's not uh, like a lot of people think it's not. A handheld version of metal gear solid or the twin snakes it's its own story and it actually it assumes that you've played metal gear one and metal gear two uh solid snake is the name of that one but it assumes you've played those two games and it's like an alternate reality or an alternate timeline instead of the twin snakes or metal gear solid um, that takes place, I guess, around the same time in 2005. But it's a it's a completely different narrative. It is similar. It has, you know, colorful, flavorful boss fights. Uh, but for a Game Boy Color game, it's really, really impressive. Yeah. Um, I think it came out in in 2000. Um, but but that that AI that you talk about, um, it for the Game Boy Color, it's a very similar experience. And it's it's astounding what what they were able to do with it. Uh, the animation is very fluid and and um, there's a lot of depth to the characters in the story has the same you know codex style conversations and uh it's it's very like anime influenced and stylized in its presentation Um, when you look up artwork for metal gear solid or or the twin snakes you'll see a lot of like uh a lot of anime looking like pencil designs or like airbrush designs really stylized right things yep. and that whole game is sort of centered around that art style on the game yeah. boy color so yeah, yeah those those five games for for a nintendo consoles or what we've got
0: Right, so I really do hope that we get the rest uh, of the Metal Gear games on Nintendo platforms at some point. Um, I know that five is probably impossible on the Switch at the moment, but I'm thinking it, it could happen on the Switch too if um, <clears throat> if Konami is continuing this like newfound, uh, you know, wave of of bringing out content again. So we'll see what happens with that. Well, on the on the uh, switch online,
1: you know we've got the NES app with with some games on there, and uh, there I, if I'm not mistaken on that one and the Super Nintendo one, there are a couple Konami games yes and so it it seems feasible to me that that they would stick Metal Gear on there,
0: but it hasn't Good. happened. Yeah, who knows with, like, licenses and fees and all that stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but there there's a potential. But something I thought that was really interesting for Metal Gear Solid The Twin Snakes is that, um, I forget who said it, I think, like, maybe the original director or something said that there is, quote, a likelihood, end quote, that Metal Gear Solid The Twin Snakes will come to Switch at some point. And that was a relatively recent quote. So. Wow. We'll see what happens with that. I was very surprised when I found that. Um, I would
1: absolutely replay this again and buy it again.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because it's a perfect, like, Switch-type game, you know, Uh, being portable and this grand console experience. um, I I think it's the the perfect title for something like that, but um, it is very likely that nothing will happen. Because Konami is very weird and Metal Gear Solid as a whole is very strange. So who knows? But I, like the guy said, he's said that there's a likelihood, which is so much better than nothing. So let's hope that uh, he will follow through on that. Um, But uh, yeah, the last thing I want to mention about the legacy of this game is that I think it opened the door, excuse me, kind of for. Solid Snake to appear in Super Smash Brothers. He was the oh, sure. very first third-party character. Out of all the third-party characters in the world, <laughs> Solid Snake was the first one to appear in Super Smash Brothers and has opened the, the water gates, the floodgates, whatever the phrase is, for people wanting these iconic characters to appear in Super Smash Brothers and has turned it into this, like, uh, this museum in a way of iconic video game characters. Um, so I just thought that was so weird that solid snake was the first third party uh, character to appear in such a beloved franchise.
1: I love that they, uh, that they did that one, but then the, the stage you play in, Yes. uh, and it, it is that, you know, opening area in the snow and then the, the metal gear, metal gear Rex peaks out occasionally. Um, and you can use the codec and call, um, uh what's goodness roy campbell from you know they got the same voice actors to come in and record dialogue you can call and ask about like who is who's this mario character and get some background (laughs) information just like in metal gear solid i love that yeah
0: I, i think kojima actually insisted that they put him in uh in brawl, but also he wanted him to be in melee. So it, there was a strong possibility at the time for snake to, uh, be in melee, but I guess it was too late in development that they just didn't have time to add him. Yeah. And so they didn't
1: add any updates or anything like that back then. Right. They, it, that would have tied in really well. Cause I think melee came out in, in like what, 2004 or three, somewhere uh, in
0: 2001, right 2001, Right. 2001.
1: When- okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. But it would have been, you know, on the same system, uh, well that was before this. So yeah, I don't know. Never mind.
0: It could well <laughs> it, I mean Super Smash Brother kind of lends itself as kind of like a marketing campaign for future it does now. releases. So yeah. um and you know, and it did that with Fire Emblem and um I don't know, I feel like there's other things too. Uh Animal Crossing at the time and sure. uh, custom robo. So uh it could have had people be more interested in Metal Gear Solid Twin Snakes. Um so yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I don't really know how well this game sold, but um, I do know that it's not talked about as often as it deserves to be. Um, mm-hmm. I think that this this game is such a work of art, and the way that it has a interesting and real perspective on issues that we are currently facing and will continue to face for the rest of our lives is is so interesting and. Uh, I had such a great connection with this game and um, I just loved the attention to detail and the enormity of the, you know, Metal Gear Solid Rex and um, just the interesting boss fights that you have. It was coming from, you know, I, I was a teenager, so I had, it was a few years since my like Power Rangers phase had ended, but I still loved this idea of like characters having these special abilities and um yeah uh, just being like these kind of like superheroes in a way so um i just i love everything about this game the more that i talk about it the more that i play it the more i i love it and uh, it's just it's so special and i hope that more people get to experience it and hopefully that can happen in the form of like a switch release so um that's pretty much it for me um anything that you wanted to add
1: no i'm just uh, i'm happy to be able to talk about this finally with someone and uh if if any of you out there you know have never gotten into the metal gear series or have heard about it like absolutely give this game a try if you can find a copy of this um but and it it's an awesome uh point like an entry point for the series and uh you know if it's the only one in the series you you ever play even like it it represents the series very well and and uh i I would definitely encourage people to to find and try to play this or or any other game in the series if they can,
0: yeah, to totally. jump in, yeah, i I didn't feel lost whatsoever when I played this game. Everything made perfect sense. So mm-hmm. um, it, yeah, it's uh, I love this game, and it's such a GameCube classic. So if you're someone who is, you know fond of the gamecube and never really got around to this title i honestly think that it's essential playing um at least if you're interested in this type of genre so um yeah well warren thank you so so much for joining me i had such a great time um speaking with you tonight about this game that we both love and even speaking to you before this uh, leading up to it so you are such a, a you are the perfect person to bring on this show. So thank you again so much. Um, I definitely want to make sure that people are aware of your YouTube channel. So why don't you talk about that?
1: Uh, yeah, sure. If you want to check uh, that out, um, it's youtube.com slash C slash G That's A-K-E-R-S. But you can just search for G Acres. Um Yeah, mostly I do um, song covers and, and uh, my own arrangements of things. Um, but I also have a few like geek and nerd-related things, movies and shows, and I actually, uh, not too long ago, put out a video just showing off the um, Metal Gear games on Nintendo platforms. So yeah, head over there and check it out.
0: Sure, yeah, definitely. Uh, I know you put a lot of work into your videos, so I hope more people get to check that out. But uh, Warren, thank you again so much, and thank you to all of our listeners for listening to this episode. Um, if you wanted to reach us or contact us or send us any kind of message about anything that you're playing or uh, have some comments on like an upcoming episode, you can reach out to us. at. Uh, you can see us on Facebook at Nintendo NOS, and we also have a, a pretty active Facebook group. Um, I believe that's uh, Nintendo Nostalgia Chats. I could be wrong about that, but you'll find it. Um, on Twitter, you can find us at Nintendo underscore N-O-S. On Instagram, we're Nintendo N-O-S-I-N. And uh, Josh actually just started a TikTok channel with us. I don't have that handle on me, but just search Nintendo Nostalgia. Hopefully it'll come up. And you can also send us emails at Nintendo Nostalgia I-N- at gmail.com and we love getting voicemails from our listeners so you can call us anytime at 317-969- five six nine zero if you want to know about what episodes we have coming out i don't really know at the top of my head but we have a whole bunch planned at least heading into the fall um so just check the facebook group and twitter um to see if there's something that you might want to mention about the games that we'll be talking about but yeah thank you guys again and we'll catch you all next time bye everyone
1: bye